I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Turn up your volume. This is Unfuck Nation. Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of Unfuck Nation. I am your host, Gary John Bishop, stuck somewhere between Matthew McConaughey and Billy Connolly, not physically, of course, just in terms of the accent. If you don't know who Billy Connolly is, Google for fuck's sake. All right, well, welcome to this week's episode. I got a great episode for you. This is a topic that I've been perusing for a while. I've been percolating in and wondering how to present you with this particular conversation. The thing that's kind of been irking me, a lot of the stuff that I come up with actually starts with me reading something either online or in a book or a blog or something and finding myself disagreeing with it, not because I'm disagreeing with the intention of it, but I'm disagreeing with the impact of it, right? So sometimes, especially in the self-help world, right? And I'll stick to that because that's the world that I know. But especially in the self-help world, you'll see a lot of stuff out there that is quite Frankly, I'm going to use the word irresponsible, like, and I don't mean reckless. I just mean, I don't think people have really thought it through. Okay. And so there's elements of what they're saying that could actually work against the very people it's supposed to help. Okay. Now, some people might even say that my material is the same, right? But unlike a lot of others, I'm fully aware of the impact that my words will have on the people who follow my work, okay, and follow what I'm saying, right? I'm aware of how it'll rattle their cage, and I'm also aware that they know that everything I'm saying here is designed to empower the shit out of you, right? And if you are experiencing any negativity out of what I'm saying, I mean, that's okay for a little bit, but if you're dwelling in some negativity over what I'm saying, you haven't thought about it enough. You need to go take another dive in, okay? Anyway, there's a lot out there about your story and rewriting your story. And I guess that's part of my problem, okay? Because people can't, it's very, very challenging to see your story, right? People don't really realize the degree to which they're trapping themselves in language. And 
the more you get aware of how you're weaving your experience of being alive in language, the more you start to pay attention to not only what you're saying, but how you're saying it. So your emotional state, how you feel, is interwoven in language, right? You don't get to say, I feel love without language. You might have some experience, but you can only recognize that experience in language when you're talking to yourself. Even if you don't know that it's love, like, well, I'm feeling something, that's language, right? So you are in a constant conversation with yourself and others, obviously, but with yourself and others. And in that conversation with yourself and others, you are creating, and I want you to really get this, creating your experience. Now, most of that creating is not a conscious effort by you. So that is to say, you're just automatically creating your experience. You're automatically reacting to the life that's going on around you and describing that life to yourself and others in language. So far, so good. All right. Still with me? And if you're not, fucking rewind this part, right? Listen to it again for a minute or two until you get yourself where we're at at this point in this week's episode. So you are describing life in language. And as you talk to yourself and you talk to others, you are creating your own reality. Now, not a problem, really, until we get to this next part, which is not only are you a creature of language, you're a creature of interpretation. That is, when you describe life and language, you're not describing life. You're describing your interpretation of life. You're describing your interpretation of others. You're describing your interpretation of the situation you're in with all of the inbuilt nuances, all of the little algorithms that you've picked up over a lifetime, which is essentially why life mostly just feels the same to you from day to day because you're looking for your own little cues. You're looking for your own little signs. And that's how you make your way through life. Capturing life and language, but it's not really life. It's more like you're capturing your interpretation of life and language. And then living like your interpretation is, quote unquote, the truth. What you're calling your truth is, in effect, your interpretation of reality, right? Someone looks at you in a certain way, you interpret that. When someone dresses a certain way, you interpret that. When someone has a certain skin color or is of a certain age or gender, you interpret that. When your bank account goes down to the last $8, you interpret that. What does that mean about you? What does it mean about the situation you're in? What does it mean about your job? And that, 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 that. You're in a constant state of interpretation. When someone does something for you, you interpret that. When something doesn't do something for you, you interpret that. When you see a certain car, you interpret that thing. What does that mean when I see that car? What does it mean about the person who's driving it? 
And there you are, constantly building your own reality. Like, all of that's the truth. And you'll even argue for your interpretation with someone else who's interpreting life from where they're sitting. And if they don't see your interpretation just the way you see it, you'll make them wrong for their interpretation. In fact, you'll even say, oh, that's just your perception. Like, yours is fucking concrete. So there you are in life. And you're not doing this on a conscious level. You're just doing it automatically, right? Somewhere in the netherworld between your deepest subconscious beliefs and your conscious thinking is this realm of interpretation. And you've been doing it since you were first able to capture life in language. So when you were little, probably three, four, five, right there, when you first started to be able to know the difference between a donut and a cup, between a car and a boat, between the sky and the sea, when you started to get language, you started to grasp this magical ability to be able to describe life and colors and smells and sounds, all captured in language. It's not like those things don't exist independent of language, but a human being has the medium of language to be able to describe those things. So, what does all of this mean for you, members of the nation? Well, your entire past has been captured in language and stored in the memory banks of your brain to be recollected from time to time, either voluntarily or otherwise, right? You sometimes think of the past when you don't even want to think of the past, but up it comes. And what comes up is your description of events your interpretation of events, your interpretation of people, your interpretation of yourself. And you live in that matrix of thought. It's a spider's web of language and emotion created through the lens of interpretation. So fucking what, Gary? Well, to you all, that's true. So I'm going to give you a little simple example, which I like to do from time to time. I'm not a big fan of examples in general terms because at some level, they'll kind of break down. And if somebody's kind of squirmy enough and trying to find their way out of something, they'll just follow the example all the way down until they can prove that it's not true. And then they can just let go of the whole idea. But the example is just to kind of elucidate something, to make something a little plainer to see. So let's say you're the youngest and there are four children in your family and your mom and your dad or your mom and your mom, or your dad and your dad. That's fucking up to you. Just picture it in your mind, right? One of your parents 
believes when you're four. Your oldest sibling is 14. Do you both have the same experience of that? Well, you might. But the question is, did you both interpret it in the same way? Probably not. You're, in emotional terms, in very different spots. And you're seeing life from a very different spot. Therefore, you're interpreting it from the spot you're in. So that's why in a family, as you get older, siblings sometimes argue and become disconnected because they have a different interpretation of one or both of the parents. So one of the siblings might say, well, mom always did her best. And the other one might say, well, no, mom was fucking controlling. And then they argue about that rather than getting, well, from the seat that I was sitting in, this is what it looked like. And the same for the other one, from the seat I was sitting in, this is what it looked like. But what they both get dug in about is which one's true. And the reality is they're both, quote unquote, true. They're both true. They're true in the eye of the beholder, the person who sees it and hears it. But that's not how it rolls out. How it rolls out is no. I know the truth. You don't. You always saw blah, blah, blah. So the game then is to diminish the other person's experience. So let me just bring your fucking experience down because my experience is the king of all experiences. And I know the truth. But it's all true. Which brings me to this kind of question of controlling. And this notion of being controlled, okay? People generally attempt to control their environment. All people are doing it. You're constantly trying to make life predictable because if life's predictable, then it's survivable. And you know that. So when life is predictable, you might not like it, but that's preferable to a life of unpredictability. That includes the behavior of other people. Like you want to be behaving in a certain way because that's safe and predictable for you. So you attempt to do whatever you can do to have them behave in that way, but you can't. Very few people in terms of like the mass of humanity, if you look at the percentages, right? Few people are waking up in the morning thinking, how can I fuck somebody's life up? There are people who are thinking that, but the vast, 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 vast majority of people are doing what they think is best for the outcome. So that might not be the best thing in terms of where you're sitting, but in terms of where they're sitting, they think this is the best thing to do. Which, by the way, sometimes leads people in the most unfortunate of directions. So control is a function of fear. That the world actually is chaotic. And that the only way to survive it is to have it be predictable. That is, to be able to predict what's coming. So sometimes with parents, they're raising their children to be very predictable 
in terms of behaviors and emotions, not because they want to lock you in a box, because they've come to see the world in terms of threat. And the vast majority of situations, what people are trying to do is equip you in the way that they know how. The problem is for a human being, especially when that formative years of life, you're experimenting with self-expression and freedom. <laughs> so there the clash is right there. This idea, and you can get, by the way, how people are living lives of interpretation, right? Even in that example. So then I'm going to loop you all the way back to the start of the show when I talked about this thing called story. And I want you to focus on your story. What's your story? It's, it's your description of your life. How do you describe it? How do you describe the people in it? How do you describe yourself in it? How do you describe your victories and your struggles? How do you describe your challenges? How do you describe your strengths or your weaknesses or the strengths and weaknesses of others? How do you describe that thing? That, my friend, all of that is your story. And your story, whether you realize it or not, is dramatized. It's dramatized. There's pieces built in to elevate the dramatics, right? And I'm going to give you, again, one of my famous examples, right? People might say, well, my father was an alcoholic who never gave a fuck for me, was narcissistic and only ever interested in himself and trashed his life and in the process trashed mine. Okay, so that's the perspective of where somebody's sitting, right, in life. But here's another interpretation. My father drunk alcohol to deal with whatever he was dealing with. And it had a profound impact, not only on him, but on those around us. Two very different interpretations of the same situation. One would probably leave a human being either as a complete victim, like suppressed by their past, maybe even angry and resentful and taking all of that into their future. And the other one is more philosophical. Like disconnects you from a lot of the baggage. Both are true. Which is why I'm always telling you guys, be careful with which, whatever truth you're associating yourself with. There are many interpretations of your truth. Pick one that frees you up. And I don't mean be positive. And I don't mean, oh, well, they were doing their best. And, and they might have been doing their best. Or you might have been doing your best. Or blah, 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 blah. Right? Which is more story. Get as closely connected to a real, real, real reality as you can. And capture that in language. Find a way to dissect your interpretation 
Notice your interpretation. Notice where you go. Notice where your interpretation leaves you. Does it leave you numb and dead and disconnected? Does it leave you angry or resentful or disappointed? Does it leave you a powerless victim? Where does your story leave you? Where's it got you located? It would be such a shame to produce a life that you say is a triumph when it's little more than a victory over a story. It's little more than a hilltop of an interpretation. The real victory is your self-expression, is your awareness, is the degree to which you are aware of your propensity for creating and living a story. And the more you can separate yourself from that, the more powerful you will be in this life. The more powerful you will be with your body and your finances and your career and your business and your love life and your friendships and your family. The more you see your own story, the more you'll see others. And when you get how addicted you have become to your story, the more compassion and the more room you can give other people because they are swimming in theirs. And remember, it's not your job to save them. It's your job to empower you. All right, you guys, we're going to take a short break. Before we go on the break, please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, wherever you're getting your podcast. The growth rate of Unfuck Nation, by the way, is fucking crazy. I mean, it's doing awesome, right? Just really great. And of course, the more you spread the word about the podcast, the more of a difference you and I get to make. And I really want you to get it like that partnership. You and I are making this difference. If somebody's not listening to this podcast, we don't make this difference. That's not corny. It's not cheesy. It's not, I'm not coming up with some fucking strategy to grow the show. I really want you to get like we have one life and we get to make a difference with this life. And one of the ways that we get to make that difference is by telling people about the work we're doing here and what we're out to produce, which is people that are free and self-expressed and able to powerfully navigate this world that we're in. So please rate, review, subscribe, and share about Unfuck Nation. We're going to take a little break right now. And after the break, we're going to be taking our weekly question from the nation. See you in a minute. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the second part of this week's show. And obviously, we got our question from the nation this week, which is a kind of high-functioning question. And that is, it's clearly from somebody who has done a lot of work on themselves, okay? But they find themselves with a little bit of a conundrum, right? So this message is from Charles. Charles says, I have done enough of this work to hold the view that I am the author of my experience. I get that when I'm irritated with my wife for something she has said or done, it is because of the meaning that I have added to it, not what she said or did. My wife does not hold the same view. She has it that I am the author of her experience when we are together. She holds me accountable for how I make her feel and how I treat her. Even when I have no idea what I said or how it landed and I apologize for it, she can still be mad at me and the silence can last for days. What I'm left with is adding the meaning that her experience of me is that she, she sees me as not being a good person. She asserts that she doesn't deserve to be treated this way and that I should leave. How do I practice what I preach and change the meaning that I have added? I don't like how I occur for her. So you start your question, Charles, was a little, you had two pieces in there, okay? You said, I get that when I'm irritated with my wife for something she has said or done, it is because of the meaning that I have added to it, not what she said or did. But the first half of that statement, you said, when I am irritated with my wife for something she has said or done, I want you to consider the first thing is you live like she is saying or doing whatever she's saying or doing, and you're irritated with that. And then you've got yourself a little solution, which is you check in with yourself. You're like, okay, I'm adding something here that's not necessarily here, right? But the first part of your question or your statement says that something is there. I'm irritated with my wife rather than saying I'm irritated. So I get irritated when people say things in a certain way or do things in a certain way. It's not localized to your wife. I could pick out a random person who says something similar and you'll get irritated, right? So it's one of your irritations would be the first thing you can really get for yourself. Like, oh yeah, right. Now that doesn't, people think when I say shit like that, that it absolves the other person of all kinds of behavior. It doesn't. See, one of the things that you're going to have to come to terms with here, Charles, is you're in a relationship with someone who doesn't, philosophically see life the same way you do. I think somewhere in your mind, in the back of your mind, you feel as if they should philosophically see things the way you do. And that what you're doing is ultimately trying to find a way to circumnavigate that. But this is somebody who philosophically does not see things the way you see them. This is somebody who quite obviously, the way that, your partner sees the world, the way your wife sees the world is the world is doing things to her. 
which is common. That's, that's how most of the world lives. It doesn't sound like that's about to change anytime soon, unless your wife starts to kind of do the kind of work that you've done that might have her see things in a way that's consistent with how you're seeing them, right? I wouldn't necessarily say one is better than the other, but one will produce certain results and another will produce certain results. You're currently the person who's being blamed, right? Which doesn't make your wife a bad person. It just, she's producing the results that are consistent with her worldview. And that's the worldview that we're born into, right? The world of blame, shame, guilt, resentment, disappointment. That's the world we're born into. We're born into survive that world. So my coaching to you, my insight for you, you might be at a place in your relationship where it's just no longer working. And unless there's some commitment to change the dynamic, then it won't work. So that is to say, you either take her comments like they don't mean anything. It's not like she's not important. It's not like her comments aren't important. But emotionally, they don't mean anything. But I think there's another important thing for you to get here. And that is, it's not your job to make your wife happy. And I know some people are like, <gasps> what? What are you saying? Gary, I'll fucking tell you what I'm saying. It's not your job to make another person happy. That's their job. Now, it's also not your job to make another person unhappy. But it's your wife's job to be happy. It's your wife's job to be empowered. The more you keep taking that on as your job, the more you'll just kind of feed the beast of blame. So rather than saying, well, you know, I apologize for how that might be for you. And, you know, I would say, I get how that is for you. And that's it. Well, what are you going to do about it? I'm not going to do anything about it. That's how it is for you. Are you going to change? No, I'm not going to change. But I get how that is for you. Now, some people might say, well, that's a road to ruin. Well, maybe. Maybe it is. Maybe that relationship won't work out, Charles. Maybe it won't. But it's really not my job to make you see the world the way that I see the world. I'm interested in understanding your world. I'm interested in understanding where you're at. That includes when it's destructive, like I'm out to understand it. But I can only impact you and make a difference with you to the degree that you want that to happen. And so in the case of your wife, she might want that to happen. She might not want that to happen, but that's going to be hers to choose. But the minute you start putting yourself on the hook for someone else's experience, you're fucked. You're fucked. You'll never get off that hook. I think 
you've kind of got yourself on that hook. I think you've set this up in that way. I think your willingness to be responsible for the way your communications land has been interpreted, remember the first part of the show, has been interpreted as it's your fault, right? Like someone might come into my house and spill a can of paint. I didn't do it, but I'm going to be responsible for it getting cleaned up. That's the distinction there, if you like, between blame or fault and responsibility. So you're at a point right now in your relationship where you might want to really consider being committed to this thing, like fully committed to your relationship, but starting to really take a stand for this world of responsibility as opposed to this world of blame and fault. Right? Like someone might not agree or believe that they are the author or the architect of their own experience, but that doesn't change that they're the author and the architect of their own experience. <laughs> like it's your neurons firing, it's your emotions rolling. Them's the facts. And if we have to keep altering the world, to fit with people's emotions or neurons firing because we are animals of interpretation, creatures of interpretation. We're all interpreting the same events in different ways. If we keep shifting and moving and changing things to suit where somebody's at emotionally or where somebody's at in their experience, we're just going to be random and ultimately just adding to the chaos. It would be far more powerful for us to educate ourselves. And being someone who can dance with our own experience. Now, that's not your experience, Charles. That's not what it's like for you right now. You're dealing with somebody who doesn't see it that way. That's right. But that they don't see it that way doesn't fucking mean anything. It's just like, well, that's how they see it. You're having this kind of draw to go in and fix that. I don't think that's something you need to fix. I think it's something you need to get where people are at. You don't need to fix it. If somebody's in a state of upset, yeah, that's right. That's where they're at. In that moment, you are, and you got to be really cognizant of your own experience and the need of a desire to change somebody else's experience, which you just don't have to do. It's okay. They're at where they're at. All right, you guys, that's going to wrap up this week's episode. Thank you for being a listener of the nation. Thank you for those of you that are plowing through our freaking t-shirt reserves at the Unfuck store. We've never sold so many freaking t-shirts. It's getting so crazy that I've now got the team working on some new designs. And we're probably going to add face masks to it. And maybe even a mug or two, right? Like an Unfuck Nation mug that you can proudly sport at your place of work when you're allowed to go back there or at your home. And I promise you, some will be work and family appropriate and some won't. And you can use them at your own discretion. As usual, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. 
If you want to be part of a future podcast, please drop us a line, connect at garyjohnbishop.com. Call me, 646-450-3203, leave me a voicemail. Or go to unfucknation.com. There's a little form there you can fill out and submit your question or your problem or your challenge or even a subject that you're like, please, Gary, talk about this thing. And we'll run it by the team and see what we can get the most out of for the nation. All right, you guys, that's it for this week. Have a great one. I'll see you on the flip side. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.